You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Good morning. My name is Jermaine Hunt, and I'll be reading to you today from my scripture, Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 14. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons, of, weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Father, thank you so much for this day where we get to celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Father, I ask that today, even right now, as, as we work through your word, that you would bless this time, that you would bless this time, let our hearts be open to hearing and receiving what you would have for us, to your glory and for our good, in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Hi, if you don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. Uh, man, for those of you that don't, that do know me, man, welcome. It is Easter. I am so excited you're here, no matter who you are. Like, you could have literally been anywhere in the world this Easter Sunday because we're doing it digitally, and you decided to be here with us. And so I want to, from the bottom of my heart, say thank you so much. And obviously, it's a little bit of a different Easter, right? It's a little bit different. We're not able to gather together. We're, we're in different places. We're doing it digitally. Um, and, and I feel that. It's, it's different. You, you, I can be honest with you. I felt start feeling a little bit sad this weekend, especially Friday. Uh, Friday, I was watching our uh, Good Friday service. It started getting... A little bit down, thinking about my family, thinking about gathering together uh, with the, the, the saints of God, with the people of God to celebrate Jesus. Thinking about tamales, I started getting really bummed out um, and missing a lot of those things. And, and I anticipate you're probably in a similar position. You're missing a lot of the good gifts that God has given you. Uh, and so I, I know that, that, that we're all in that same place. At the same time, I want to encouragingly say that I don't think we're in a bad spot when it comes to that. Uh, similar to what I said uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, man, a, a lot of us have been relieved of, of the good gifts that we've depended on in a way that we should only really depend on God. Uh, and so I, I feel it fitting today that as a lot of us navigate through uh, missing those gifts, that we would arrive on a day where we explicitly focus on, on, on Jesus doing the things that, that, that we can depend on most in his resurrection. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm encouraged by that. I, uh, I also know that there's some other people on here, right, that, that, um, that, that maybe you're joining us that don't know about this Jesus. And so in that sense, it can be really weird what we're doing. Uh, we all kind of get it. If you're, if, you're, if you're here and you're uh, a Christian and you know you, you've done Easter before, but man, if you're not, and, and there's this whole world of people that are coming together and celebrating in the middle of a pandemic when people are losing their life and sick and people are facing financial security, maybe you're thinking, are you guys immune to that? And the reality is, friend, like, no, we're not. 
Um, but, but we have realized and found the beauty of Jesus and the hope we find in him to be more valuable than anything that we could lose here uh, on this earth. And so I, I, my hope is that you would find a bit of the hope we have today as you're, you're watching this. But, but likewise, I know that there's a lot of us that are uh, believers, but maybe uh, just as confused, if I'm being honest. That's what's funny, is, is one of the things that I've noticed over my years uh, in ministry and in church is really that, that people don't really celebrate uh, Easter, the resurrection, even Christians. Uh, man, when it comes to Christ's death, we are on it. We sing about it, it gives us that romantic feeling. Uh, but, but then when it comes to the resurrection, we're a little confused and don't really know why uh, Christ resurrected. Uh, and so really the message of the gospel sounds good when it's, it's the death of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't make that much sense. Yet in 1 Corinthians, it's Paul saying that it's the actual resurrection of Jesus that gives our faith hope. Uh, and so no matter what, what camp you're in, whether you're, you're visiting us and joining us and you're, you're not really a follower of Jesus and so it's confusing to see us doing all these things and celebrating like this even in the midst of all this going on or whether you are maybe even a believer, a follower of a believer, a believer of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, yet are still really confused about why we're celebrating the resurrection. I want to encouragingly tell you that, friend, the resurrection is still for you. No matter your background, your ethnicity, your sex, uh, you, you know, your, your experiences, your age, man, the, the, the resurrection is for you. Uh, it is for you, friend. Today, it is my honest desire and hope uh, that we can see the beauty of the resurrection because if I'm being honest, today is critical because, man, a lot of us wrestle with a deep sense of hopelessness, of joylessness, uh, primarily not because uh, we're weaker because life always is that bad. Man, some of us are missing the joy of Christ's salvation because we're missing the, the power of his resurrection. And so today, my, my desire is that we would really tap into one of the most unique books of the Bible in Romans and really tease out an amazing argument uh, that the Apostle Paul is giving us, defending and really exalting and showing us the, the beauty and the place of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if there's one point that I, I desire for you to take away today, it's this, that only Jesus' resurrection changes how we see everything, both today and forever. So don't forget it. And to do this, to, to work our way through that point, we're going to be covering three ideas out of the text today. First, we're going to be covering the resurrection, what Paul has to say about the resurrection. Then we're going to be covering the reminder that Paul gives us, the reminder and then we're going to be covering the promise that Paul gives us. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're in the book of Romans, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time giving you context, but not too, too much time. Um, it, like Hebrews, like I said about Hebrews a few weeks ago, man, if you have not read Romans, I encourage you, like today, jump in and dive into Romans. It is one of the juiciest, I mean, just, just amazing, informative, enlightening books of the entire Bible. Uh, like Hebrews, it probably would be helpful to get like a study Bible or a commentary uh, to, to accompany that. Uh, some of the stuff can be like, um, but nonetheless, I would encourage you to dig in and to do to, to take the effort to 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 exert the effort necessary in grabbing on to all that goodness. Uh, Paul uh, wrote Romans. Um, 
in the city of Corinth. He wrote it to a bunch of house churches in Rome, uh, really with the desire just to encourage them, just to encourage them spiritually. That was the main point of the book. Um, it starts out, the first few chapters start laying out uh, the need for salvation in humanity. That's kind of the whole purpose of the book, to lay out this amazing, amazing explanation of God's salvation and why it's necessary. And so in the first three chapters, he really lays out uh, man's need for salvation, humanity's need for salvation, helping us see that, that sin has broken uh, the good design of God's creation, and then helping us see that, man, we're all guilty of contributing to the sin that breaks uh, our relationship with him, with each other, with, with creation all around. Uh, and so there's this, this guilty aspect in those first three chapters, but then that gives way to this really encouraging part uh, where he starts to explain uh, the, the person of Jesus, God, uh, in the flesh, living a perfect life, yet taking the cross as a sinner, exchanging his innocence for our guilt. And so there's this encouraging piece. And, and like I mentioned before, if, if, that was, if that was kind of the end of Romans, I think a lot of us would be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But that only takes five chapters. He then proceeds to use the next nine chapters almost to build this case of this new life, this beautiful new life and hopeful existence and, and all these consequences that come as a result, not just of Christ's death, but likewise of his resurrection. And so as we jump into chapter six, it's actually uh, jumping into that argument, that argument about Christ's resurrection and how important it is to providing a new life filled with hope and joy for the believer. Now, I don't want to I know you probably don't want to take the time to, to turn through nine chapters of Romans, but, but what I try to do is find a section that really encompasses uh, or encapsulates uh, the idea that's found in a ton of this book in just a few verses. And I believe that's what we found here in Romans 6. And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and, and jump in. Uh, the, the beginning of Romans 6 Paul squashes this argument uh, that someone's making about how we should go on sinning so that God can continue to give us grace and glorify himself. After squashing that and being like, no, that's horrible. Uh, it's a horrible idea. He goes into uh, really building this case of, of this life of hope and joy that the believer has access to. Uh, yet, uh, he, he really zones in and, and helping us see that it's the resurrection that's the crux of it. And so building on this argument, I want to go ahead and jump in and start in verse 8 so that we can kind of jump in right with Paul and just, just, just start riding the wave with him right away. In verse 8, he continues his argument for the resurrection like this. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives for God. So right away, Paul wanting to show us this new life filled with hope, joy, uh, filled with empowerment. He, the first thing he does before anything is he starts not with his eyes on us. Rather, he takes, his, he takes our eyes off of us and points them to Jesus. He decides he's going to focus on the resurrection. 
So the first step to even embracing and understanding this new life we have in Christ is not by focusing necessarily on his death, that is critical, but rather to understand the importance of the resurrection. And the reality is that, that his death is also important because right there, in verse 8 at the beginning, it's not that this, this new life in, in the resurrected Christ is for everybody. It's, it's conditional, if that makes sense. It says, if we died with Christ. So if, it's for those who have died with Christ. What does that mean? That, that literally is, 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 is a, a very complex, and there's more to it than this, but, but to put it simply, it's those of us that have submitted our lives to Jesus. Recognizing that, man, it, it cost Christ his life on the cross to forgive us of our sins, we have turned away from sin, put to death that old man who believed sin was okay, who believed disobeying God was okay, and submitted ourselves, heart, mind, and body to Jesus, asking him to inform us of what's right and wrong, to help us understand how to obey, love God, allowing him to shape our mind in the way we see things. For those that have submitted to Christ in that way, Paul says we believe that we will also live with him, meaning, right, like if we were going to reword it, we believe that those who have submitted to Christ like that, that there is a new life available to us, a life that, that's filled with more hope, more joy than the current material world we sense uh, has to offer. Not that th this new life excludes the material world, but rather uh, it, it, it exceeds it in what it can offer us. But he wants us to know that that there are enemies to this life. And that's kind of what he's gonna build out for the rest of the chapter. That there are powers that, that seek to, to suppress and extinguish life in humanity. And the powers that he's bringing up here are the powers of death and sin. Now, now I know that that sounds kind of archaic. Uh, like a superstitious religious teacher 2,000 years ago uh, telling us that there's powers at work in the world that really squash the life that God uh, is, is creating for us. But, but friend, let me tell you, well, actually, let me add an asterisk to that. There's some truth to that. Okay, remember that you're reading a book that's 2,000 years old. And so the people that Paul was writing to may better understand the ideas that he's presenting to you, uh, that he's presenting to, to them in this language. But that doesn't mean that he's wrong. Okay, let me, let's think about it. Death has a very real impact on our life right now. I don't mean like, like, like during the season. I mean like at this very moment. Right now, we're celebrating Easter from our homes because we are scared of death. We're not quarantined because of COVID-19. We're quarantined because COVID-19 has a higher mortality rate than most other viruses. That means it kills more people than most other viruses. We're quarantined our house because we fear and understand that there is severity and very real power behind death. I'd like to continue teasing this out. Think about the reality that there are people, there are people who believe that the only joy, happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction they're going to experience is what they're experiencing right now. And I don't just mean non-believers in Jesus. There's some of us who actively follow Jesus, who fall into the trap of believing that the happiness we are experiencing now is the extent of heaven that we're going to be able to experience. And, and what Paul is bringing to the surface here as he discusses Jesus uh, is, is the question of, man, if, if, if death was not something you had to be scared of, if death was not the boogeyman coming out of the closet, ready to rip you away from the bed of life, 
Okay? How would you live? If death was no longer an enemy and a defeat, but rather a servant and a victory, how would you live your life? And the reality that he's pointing to is that for believers in Jesus, we don't have to be scared of death. We don't have to live in fear of death because we follow one who's already conquered death. Check out verse 9. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. So as believers, we don't have a need to be scared of death because Christ, whom we follow, whom we worship, whom we belong to, is no longer ruled over by death. His resurrection displayed that he was not ruled over by death, but that he had conquered death. Friends, Christ's resurrection was a resurrection. It wasn't a resuscitation. I'm going to say that again. Christ's resurrection was a resurrection. It was not a resuscitation. Christ didn't die on a gurney and somebody had to shock him back to life so that he could hold off death for a few more years. No, no, Christ's resurrection indicates that he will never again taste death, that he has conquered it, overcome it, that it no longer inst- it has no control or power over him. Think about that. Death, that thing that looms over us and warns us that we don't have that much time. That, that it's coming for us, that we don't have too much time with loved ones and people we care about, that, that it's going to run out. That's the same power that Christ looks at and talks by saying, death, where is your sting? Friends, we don't have to be scared of death because we serve one who's already conquered death. And the most beautiful part is that his victory over death, his resurrection, man, it counts for us as well. He's just the first. Like, we will join him in that resurrection We don't have to be scared because his resurrection is the first and we will be joined in our resurrection with him. I love, 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 love the way Douglas uh, Moo puts this. Douglas Moo is a professor at Wheaton College and he's a brilliant man. Uh, In his commentary on Romans, he says it like this. Christ's resurrection meant a decisive and final break with death and all its power. For his resurrection was the anticipation of the general resurrection. He is the first fruits of those that rise. As such, his resurrection spelled the beginning of the new age of redemption in which sin and death are being vanquished. So Christ's resurrection ends the power of death over himself as well as anticipating the defeat of death in all those who belong to him. So, as those who are identified with Christ, we can be confident of sharing in that defeat of death with him when we live with him. Come on, praise God. Friend, you don't have to be, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you belong to him, if you have been, uh, if you have died with him, submitted yourself to him, death no longer has power over you because we are found in the one who has conquered death. But that's not the only power that, 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 that Paul brings up here. That that's death, but there's also this very real power of sin as well. And I know that sounds a little bit archaic too, right? Like, like sin and a power of sin, but, but man, this is very real, friend. Man, the, the power of sin in this world is the thing that's caused the worst tragedies we've ever seen. Things like human trafficking, uh, things like genocide, murder, assault, 
uh, fraud and robbery. These are the things that we see and contribute to the power of sin at work in this world, tempting and luring people that already have a sinful nature, that desire, uh, that have an innate uh, tendency and bend toward disobeying God. And we can hear that and go, okay, yeah, that makes sense, but, but, but let's make it a little bit deeper. Because the power of sin is also the thing that contributes to those small things that make huge impacts in our life. It's the power of sin that lures us from our own desires to, to do things like, like find affirmation and fulfillment outside of our marriage. That, that break homes apart, causing divorce and resentment and anger. And as a result, it's, it's that, that power and reign of sin that then settles on beautiful children, consequently now being raised in single-parent homes that grow up with, with confused and distorted views of sex and, and relationships and love and commitment and marriage. And so they get into relationships and do the same thing that their parents did, causing this, this spiral, this generational thing. That, that, that's what it looks like. That, that's what the power of sin can look like in our lives in a very personal way. But, but even hidden under there is maybe the most decisive, the most deceptive, and, and, and most evil way that the reign and power of sin enslaves, enslaves its servants. And that's that, that tiny deception in there that made us think we could find meaningful satisfaction and fulfillment in, in lust, in, 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 in people, in idolatry in the first place. It's that power of sin that, that, that enters into the scene and goes, hey man, like, like if you were to just put your faith, your hope into this thing, it will give you everything you desire. It leaves us hopeless and joyless unable, not just, not just failing to, but, but through the, the enslavement uh, of sin, we are unable to find true hope, true joy, because we cannot find and place that true uh, uh, hope and trust in the only source of true joy and true hope, in Christ, in God. But it's this very hopeless and joyless scenario and environment that, that that Paul introduces Jesus' resurrection into the scenario. Look at verse 10. For death, for the death he died, he did not sin, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. You see, it was Christ that, that, that came down and, and, and lived a perfect life. Who, who, who did not experience the separation that sin causes who didn't experience the, 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 the anguish of hopelessness and joylessness, but came down and lived a perfect life, though he was, in a sense, subjected to the power and rule of sin here on earth while, uh, while here. Now, now, hear me. What I'm not saying is that he was sinful. Jesus was perfect. But yet, he was subject to the temptation and the reality of sin, the temptation uh, that, that, that the sinful power tries to lure us in with, just like the rest of us. Think about that when he went into the wilderness. Think about when he went into the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan uh, to bow down and to worship, to idolize something other than God. 
And he confronts the temptation with the word of God, staying pure uh, and, and, and fighting off sin through his faithfulness. But even after that, it says that the angels had to come and minister to him. So, so fighting off that spiritually meant it took a toll on his human body. And when he went to the cross as a perfect man and died, the beauty of his resurrection that, that Paul is getting at is that in his resurrection, after dying as an innocent man, he was raised as a glorified man. The reunification of heaven and earth perfectly restored into right, perfect unity and relationship with God. No longer would Christ ever even be tempted not ever even be, 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 be caught, you know, be, be, um, be tempted is fine, be tempted to actually uh, place his faith in anything else. Now the glorified Christ had overcome sin, completely uh, leaving it powerless to even tempt him to move away from God. From the realization that, that Christ has overcome the power and the reign of sin is critical in our lives. Not just because it stops us from, from, from doing wrong things, but because man, it allows us to place our joy and faith in something that never, ever fails us. The temptation of Satan there in the wilderness for Christ was to place his faith in something other than God. To take him to the highest peak and then to say, all this could be yours if you would just bow down to me. For Jesus to look and say, no, I, I will not. To go to the cross, to die, to resurrect is the very same thing that now empowers us to say, I'm not going to put my hope in health, in finances, in anything else, but now my peace my hope, my joy have found their home in Christ and in Christ alone. Man, the, the, the reign of sin has been conquered by Jesus. In his resurrection. Praise God, man, come on. So, having laid the foundation of the resurrection, okay, having laid the foundation of the resurrection, now Paul understands, now we can go into what exactly it is that, that, that your part is, that our part is. Having taken our eyes and, and taken them off of us and set them on the resurrected Jesus, in verse 11, he now says, so you too consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He moves on to the reminder. Having laid the foundation of the gospel, Christ now comes, I mean, Paul now comes back and says, hey man, and here's the reminder. Having known and having realized and, and, and understood the power of Christ's resurrection, remind, your, remind yourself, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That, that word consider, it's in the present imperfect tense, which almost communicates this idea of continuously consider yourself dead to sin. What he's saying is do the work of seeing yourself as dead to sin and alive to God. The first part of that reminder, that reminder first, it starts in the idea of the mind. He's saying, hey man, the first battle now, when you take your eyes off of you and put them on the resurrected Christ, when it's now your responsibility again, the thing that you have to do first is to use your mind to see yourself as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now that's critical. 
Because we live in a world that sometimes can tell us that it's our actions that can then dictate our mind. And man, I get that. If you work out, you feel better. I understand that. But, but you can Marie Kondo your house into a neater, nicer place, but you will not Marie Kondo yourself into lasting and eternal peace. That won't happen. That doesn't happen like that. You can work out all you want. You can eat healthy all you want. You can, you can um, uh, create routines and go to bed early all you want. But the reality is those actions may pay off little by little and have fleeting moments of joy and improvement. Yet what, what Paul is trying to help us understand is that once we understand the power of the resurrection, the key after that is to set our mind in a place where we consistently see ourselves in light of that resurrection. That because Christ has overcome death and sin, because he no longer uh, is, 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 is under the power of sin and death, but now has victoriously conquered those things and now lives to God, the first part that we have in obtaining and in gaining that life of hope and joy that the resurrection promises is in seeing him and then considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And as a result, he goes in, he goes on to verse 12 and says, man, once that happens, right, therefore, meaning therefore because of your consideration of yourself being dead to sin and alive to God, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. That word do not let is also in the present tense. It's the idea that we consistently resist the idea of giving ourselves, our body now, over to sin in order uh, for it to be a, a, a master to us again. Giving ourselves over uh, to the idea of, of hurting others, of pursuing lustful passions. Not just, I don't, I don't use that word lustful just in the terms of, of sexuality, but likewise in greed, in anger, in resentment, in, in frustration, in, in, in rage. All these elements... But, but now to resist selfish desires and more give ourselves over to be weapons of righteousness. And do not offer any part of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, you offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. The beauty of that now is that, 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 that Paul is telling us that through the resurrection, we now have the ability that we've never had before to be found in Jesus, to no longer fear death, to overcome the power of sin and place our trust in a, a God that actually never fails us. And now we have only to look to him, place our faith in him, submit to him, and we now have the opportunity to see ourselves differently, to see ourselves uh, as alive to God in Christ Jesus. But more than that, friends, to find the hope that we had never found before. To, found the, to find the joy that we had never found before. Man, the resurrection in Scripture, not just this text, but in all of Scripture, is not just the proof that God is Jesus. I've heard that said before, that, that and then he rose on the third day proving that he was God. No, it is, it is the, the, the powerful statement that in him I have conquered and, I, have, and I, have, I am victorious through his conquering and his victory over death and sin and now the ability to have joy today and a lasting joy that lasts forever, both now and even more solidified when I get to eternity. That's the joy of Christ's resurrection today.
for us right now. And it's, it's a fight. It's a fight, trust me, I know. I love the idea of consistently seeing yourself as dead to sin and alive to Christ and alive to God in Jesus Christ is not easy. We fail at it. I fail at it every day. There are moments when, when I firmly believe that the temptations of my heart will provide more than the God of heaven will provide. There are moments that, that, that the security of, of finances of, of relationships, um, uh, of my house, truly, truly, truly seem more attractive, more appealing, more satisfying than God. Paul's saying it doesn't have to be like that anymore. He's saying it's going to be a fight, but it doesn't have to be like that. And maybe the most encouraging part is the promise he gives us at the end. Yes, it's gonna be a fight. Y yes, we have to actively wage war against sin, against the flesh, against the, the fear of death. We have to remind ourselves and see ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But 14, he finishes with a promise to encourage us into the fight. And he says, for sin will not rule over you. It has not, and friend, continue on, fight on, because it has not and it will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under At the moment that, that sin tries to, to, to creep back into our life, the moment it tries to, to lure our heart away from Christ, the moment we have, we, we're tempted to, 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 to give in to, 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 to desires that, that push us to, to angrily lash out to people, to, to, to hurt someone, to lie, to, to act against God, hurt ourselves, and therefore hurt others, that they will not overcome and rule over us, not because uh, they're just able to be looked over, but rather because God sees them. But we in Christ are now under a grace that gives us freedom and joy and the ability to come back to our Father and say, I failed again, and Him say, but I've succeeded and victoriously reigned over you again. So, so rise. Friend, the resurrection today changes the way we see everything. For today and for the future, Paul's helping us, reminding us to not forget it. But the reality is that, that man, there's some of us that maybe don't know it. We don't know that there's a God who, who took the cross in our place so, so that he could exchange the weight of our guilt with the relief of his grace. Some of us don't know and have not embraced the reality that has seen us orphaned and alone and has, has, has really put his finger on the loneliness of our heart and has made us his as a member of God's family, both now and forever. Friend, today, if this grace, if this grace that we're talking about, if this resurrection that we're speaking of, if this victorious 
resurrection that, that, that we're celebrating is foreign to you, but this life of grace and peace and joy and, and hope is something that's appealing to you. I want to let you know that, man, today the Lord is calling you today. Like, like, like he's calling you now. This resurrection, as I mentioned at the very beginning, friend, it is for you. It's for all that, that see and understand uh, the hope that's found in Christ and submit ourselves to him, giving ourselves to him, asking him to become the Lord of our lives, the one who, who tells us how to live, how to think, that, that give ourselves over and turn away from our past lives. So, so friend, come now. I, um, I want to pray to finish our time in the Word together. Uh, but I want to likewise encourage you. Uh, today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we along with churches from across the world are, are joining together and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Today, friend, don't proceed on without deep consideration of this resurrection for uh, our victory, for God's glory, absolutely. Jesus was resurrected to show he was God, to display God's glory. I agree with that. But likewise, for our good. And, and worship him today. Not, not just when, when we're done here, but worship him throughout this day. Throughout this week, let the resurrection of Christ empower and, 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 and revise and quicken your heart to, to fight the good fight against the fear of death, against the reign and powers of sin in order to put place our faith and our hope in Jesus who never fails, who, who, who rose and was raised from the dead uh, for our justification to bring us before God whole. Friend, I, I just don't want this moment, this day to slip uh, and us not feel the weight of what it means uh, to see ourselves as dead to sin and alive in Christ because of the gospel, because of Christ's resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that, that communicates the truth of who you are. Uh, thank you, God, that, that it is in your resurrection that we find life, that we find hope, that we find victory, God. Right now, so many of us are, 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 are let me just be, speak plainly, so many of us are scared and trembling of the season that we're in. So many of us are tired and, and helpless because uh, we feel hopeless and joyless. God, remind us and bring us back to the reality that because you have resurrected from the grave, conquering death and conquering the power of sin, we now have hope today. That sin is merely, I mean, the sin, that, that, that death is merely a gateway now to experiencing the fullness of joy as we're reunited with you. That sin no longer has power over us because we now meet sin with grace that covers our sin and renders the power of sin helpless to bring us shame, guilt, or anything else. God, let us thank you that in your resurrection we find hope and life and joy. God, let our hearts 
be sensitive, and let us long to remember and to see life in light of that resurrection. Understanding that we like you because we have been found in you, are no longer slaves uh, to, to, to sin and, and, and death, but we are now alive to God in Christ Jesus. Praise to your name. We pray these things in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.